Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, got oh. it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! It normally high fly ball deep left field oh 27 does it again for this year wall sends it well out to left center field and it's gone he went to jared way this is brandon marsh for los angeles angels baseball you listen to all angels podcasts and welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and this is going to be a trade deadline special. Obviously, the trade deadline has come and gone. There are some not surprises in that trade deadline, and there are definitely some big surprises with that trade deadline this year for the Angels. So, Let's get into kind of reviewing what happened and my thoughts about what this means for the Angels going forward. So obviously, coming into the trade deadline, I talked about this on the last podcast about Shoei Otani not being available or not moving this trade deadline. And I gave my thoughts why I felt that was a very good idea by the Angels. So if you haven't listened to the last podcast, go ahead and also listen to the last podcast and you can hear my thoughts about that as well. So let's get into the actual trade deadline moves the day of the trade deadline. The guy that we thought was going to be moved obviously was Noah Syndergaard. He's a guy that probably had some of the best value of Angels players that was realistically on the market. And for a while now, it was just kind of a matter of time before he was dealt. And early on in the day, you heard, or even early on on, on Monday night, you heard, um, you know, murmurs of the Blue Jays being interested, the Phillies being interested, among some other teams. So, but the Phillies and Blue Jays seem to be the two teams that that would be the most um, intrigued by Noah Syndergaard. So that was kind of the rumors going into Monday night. Come Tuesday trade deadline day, those murmurs got a little bit louder. Even at a certain point, there was talk about Ross Iglesias being on the trade market. And there was rumors about Brandon Marsh and uh, Noah Syndergaard being in a in a combo, if you will. So obviously, Major League Baseball had this trade deadline and there was a bunch of big moves overall in the bigger picture of MLB. I mean, you had Soto move, you had the 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 San Diego Padres did a lot, but for what the Angels had and for what the Angels were able to get from the trades, I really like it. So let's start with the very first trade that happened, and that was probably around 
I would say 12.30, on Tuesday where it started leaking out that, and this one was a surprise to me because I did not see this happen, that outfielder Brandon Marsh would be traded to the Philadelphia Phillies for catching prospect Logan Ohapi. And if you're not familiar with that name, I completely understand because he is a minor leaguer. He's a minor league catcher. He's in double A, will be in double A for the Angels as well. But he is, or he was, I should say, the number three prospect in the Phillies organization and the number one position player prospect in that organization. So now you put him in the Angels farm system and he automatically becomes the top prospect for the Angels surpassing Sam Bachman. So obviously a position swap, a swap for players that are on different kind of clocks. Obviously Brandon still very young in his major league career, still um, some development that needs to happen for Brandon, but he's there. He's in the majors. He's guys contributing right now. Recently he has been struggling with his bat. He has been struggling at the plate. One thing that has not struggled for Brandon all year long has been his glove in the outfield. And that's something that, let's be honest, kept him in the lineup even all the time he was struggling at the plate. If he was an average outfielder defensively, there is no way he would get as many at-bats as he has. But he's been a very good gold gold glove caliber outfielder this year. So it definitely sucks to see him go. It's definitely when... I can tell by the comments and, and DMs I've gone on our on our Halo Haven page on Instagram, a ton of people wanted Joe Adele instead to go instead of Brandon, which I totally understand. But to realize that out of those two guys, Brandon and Joe, it was very obvious if one of them was going to be traded, Brandon was going to be the one that had the highest value. So it's definitely a move that doesn't help the Angels today and might not help the Angels at the beginning of next year. There are two things that are really going to depend on the for the Angels next year if this trade comes back and haunts them right away. One is the development of Joe Adele. If Joe Adele can turn the page, find something that clicks for him now that he's going to be getting every day at bats, if he can be even close to what a lot of people thought he was going to be when he was coming through the system, that's going to be okay for the Angels. That will work for the Angels. And now the Angels seem to be full steam ahead, giving him this opportunity to play every single day and make or break, you know, his name in the game for, for lack of a better phrase. But it definitely seems like Joe's going to have opportunities now to prove himself and get better. And if he does, then this trade doesn't hurt as much, but that's going to be one of the things that have to wait and play out to see how it goes. Number two is the other guy in the outfield is, is Taylor Ward was the was the front end of Taylor Ward's season the Taylor Ward. Was that the guy that is going to be on the Angels going forward, or was it just a very hot two months? He hit the wall. He has not been the same. He has very he has struggled a lot since then. I don't know if he's still dealing with a nagging injury. I don't know if it's kind of shell shock or what it is, but he has not been the same since he hit that wall back a few months ago. So those two guys, if those two guys are close to above average MLB players, this loss of Brandon will not be felt that bad. Again, they're big ifs, but anytime you make a trade, regardless of what it is, there's always going to be huge ifs surrounded by it. If they traded Otani, if they developed the, the talent, if this. So 
There's a ton of ifs, and I know you're hearing me say it a lot, but I think with any trade, there's always going to be that. But Logan Hoppy, again, is a catching prospect. He's going to start out down in Rocket City in AA. He is a 22-year-old right-handed catcher, and he's actually done very, very well so far. So some people were worried about the succession with Stassi. Stassi is... A little bit older in age, he's, you see kind of a regression from him. We're not sure what we're going to get from him next year. But even if Stassi is great and even if Stassi becomes what he was last year, there's always there was always a question of who's the next catcher in the Angels system because before this move, there wasn't really one. There hasn't been an Angels catching prospect that showed any kind of real promise in a really long time. And what Logan does is he gives the Angels that opportunity to have a catcher in waiting, giving a catcher that, you know, is part of the succession plan. Once Stassi's contract runs out, I really doubt you see him get re-signed by the Angels unless he has two back-to-back awesome years. But it might be at that point time for Logan to come up and really start making an imprint on this team. And by then he'll be 24 years old and still very, very young. The Phillies had JT Riamuto, one of the best catchers in baseball. And if you ever heard me talk about the catching position, whether it's Stassi, whether it's other guys, you know, you have one or two top catchers in baseball. But then there's a huge gap between the, you know, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth best catcher in baseball. The catching position is not easy to scout and it's not easy to develop because there is so much going on in that position, whether it's all the hitting stuff you have to worry about, whether it's managing a lineup or managing a rotation you have to worry about, or even the defense behind the plate, your you know framing, which it's going to be kind of phased out, obviously, with the robot umps, but the, the ability to block balls in the dirt, the ability to throw runners out, the ability to um, you know back pick and all that stuff. So the catching position is very, very hard to judge and scout accurately and i think with logan now being part of his angels angels organization there is a very strong possibility now the angels have a very good catcher in the works for the first time and i don't know how long yes it sucks to give up a player that is contributing right now but if both of these guys logan and brandon fulfill what a bunch of people think they will do um in their career let's say both guys are all-stars let's say both guys are contributing to playoff caliber teams, the value of a catcher like that is going to be way higher than a outfielder that does that. It's just the way the game works and how much harder it is to find an all-star caliber catcher compared to an all-star caliber outfielder. So personally, you know our story with Brandon. If you listen to this podcast long enough, you've heard him on this podcast probably five times, four or five times throughout his whole career from single A to double A to triple A and in the majors. So you know how close we are to, to Brandon on the podcast, but he's going to be in a, put in a very good situation with in Philadelphia where offensively they have offensive powers and they've been lagging that defensive presence in the outfield. And he's going to fill that void right away. And he's an East coast boy and he's in the AL East where the uh, NL East, where they play the Braves every year and he's an Atlanta boy so I'm happy for him on that aspect that he goes pretty much back home he's gonna go back home on a more consistent basis so for him that's great for us I know it sucks but I do think this trade benefits the Angels in the long run and it's hard to sit here and say who wins and who lost who loses if Brandon for whatever reason does not develop his bat and just is a strictly a defensive player 
and Logan becomes an all-star catcher, obviously the Angels win the trade. But on the flip side, if Logan never develops into a uh, reasonable major league catcher and Brandon goes on to become a gold glover, multi-gold glover, he's an you know, he's an all-star outfielder and all that stuff, then obviously the Phillies won that trade. So if you're looking for who won and who lost, that is way too soon to tell about who won any of these trades because these trades have ramifications not only now but down the line. So that that's the very first trade of the day where, again, the Angels end up trading outfielder Brandon Marsh for catching prospect Logan Hoppy from the Philadelphia Phillies. The second trade was a little bit more of a we saw this coming trade. It involved Noah Syndergaard, Noah being on his last year of his contract. You had a feeling he would be moved. You had a feeling that it might have been earlier than what it did, but this this trade came pretty close to the deadline at three o'clock. So this was definitely one of them that it felt like it was in the works for a while. You're kind of thinking, was it going to get done? Was it not going to get done? But um, you had Noah Syndergaard go to the Philadelphia Phillies once again, and the Angels acquire outfielder Mickey uh, Monick and outfielder Adele Sanchez. Adil Sanchez. Yeah, I don't know how to say these guys' names. But anyways, they end up getting two minor league outfielders in exchange for Noah Syndergaard. Mickey was a former first-rounder who has been struggling since being brought to um, professional baseball. But in this trade, I think it is a very um, low-risk, high-reward type of trade, and I tell you why. Noah Syndergaard was probably and still probably won't come back next year. And if he does come back next year, then that's great. That means you get him back plus two lotto tickets with these two guys playing the outfield. Obviously, you do need some kind of outfield depth losing Brandon Marsh. But now you have two guys that can compete for that depth because I think it is pretty set this season that once Trout gets back, if everyone stays healthy, it's going to be pretty easy to see Joe, Mike, and Ward out there in the outfield for the rest of the year again barring injury or anything like that. I think it's very easy to see that those three guys are going to be your full-time outfielders. What these other guys do is just add depth, add um, if someone gets hurt again, or, or maybe if you just want to see them in the major league level, they will be there. But Noah Syndergaard to me was a trade-it-or-lose-it type. The only difference between him and Shohei Otani is that Shohei Otani is a once-in-a-generation talent. Noah Syndergaard is a good player, but he's not that. So for people that are saying, well, if you're going to you know, sell Noah Syndergaard, why aren't you selling Shohei Otani? These guys are two different parts of their careers, and they are two different pitchers. And one of them's going one way, and I think the other one's honestly going the other. So this trade was, again, a very low-risk, high-reward type of trade. Noah Syndergaard was not going to do anything this season that was going to all of a sudden propel the, the Angels to the playoffs. I'm sorry. He might have won another five or six games or whatever, and that's on the high side but it wasn't going to be enough to get this team into the playoffs. So he always has the option. People love to say, well, he said he would come back and he says he loves it here. And he says that he loves his teammates in California, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I don't believe players that say that half the time. If he wants to come back, great. He will. He'll come back. And if anything, he should be thanking the Angels for giving him an opportunity to be actually competing games that matter at this point to really show off what he can do coming back from Tommy John surgery. And if he has a great 
second half of this season with Philadelphia, guess what? Noah Syndergaard is the only one that's going to really benefit from this, and that's good for him. And if the Angels want to bring him back, great. I don't think they should be overpaying for him, but I do feel that Noah Syndergaard is going to go and chase the money. There's no other reason why you would give yourself a one-year deal with a team coming off an injury if you weren't uh, expecting to chase the money after that one-year deal if everything went right and you were healthy. So I don't think Noah Syndergaard was coming back. I don't think he plans on coming back to the Angels. And if the Angels do re-sign him, it's going to be for way over you know, uh, the cost of what it should be. And that's something the Angels can't afford to do right now. They can't afford to spend big money and miss. They're in a situation now with Trout, Rendon, and possibly Otani that they're going to have a lot of payroll tied up in three dudes they cannot afford to miss on free agents. And I think if they overspend for Noah Syndergaard, that's exactly what it would be. It would be a miss. So, again, that's Noah Syndergaard for two outfield players from the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Angels and the Phillies were very, very active today. And um, they had, you've heard rumors talking back and forth for the last two days. So not a huge surprise there to see Noah head east once again. And we'll see what happens next time he plays. Uh, He pitches against the New York Mets and possibly in New York. So the last trade of the deadline for the Angels was a little bit of a surprise, but This is probably my favorite trade of the day out of the three. This is probably my favorite trade for um, a couple reasons. But the trade, let's start about the trade. The trade was reliever closer Rossell Iglesias traded to the Atlanta Braves for relief pitcher Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. Tucker Davidson can be a bullpen guy he can be a starter i think he might slot in as a, like a back-end starter right now but that's the trade jesse chavez coming back to southern california he was born and raised out here so it's kind of a homecoming for him coming back with the angels he was with the angels a little bit before he went to the braves during that um world series run but he is back and tucker davison is back too and you might be asking yourself why is it that they were unable to get more for Rossell Iglesias being um, a closer and, you know, at times showing that he is still a very much of a uh, top level closer. And then quite honestly, at times showing that he is very hard to, you know, judge as far as is he going to have it today or if is his ball not going to move as much and becomes very hittable. Well, the answer to that, the reason why the Angels did not get more is the fact that the Atlanta Braves was taking all of the $51.6 million owed to Rossell Iglesias. Iglesias was signed all the way to uh, 2025 and about $16 million per year. And the Atlanta Braves are taking all of that money. So that money comes off the books effective immediately. And that is a huge win for the Angels. And if you're one of those guys uh, that are looking for the Angels to spend money in the offseason, whether it's possibly re-signing Shoei Otani or possibly going after a frontline starter or possibly going after an all-star shortstop. This move helps that. This move frees up, again, a $16 million a year for any one of those type of players. And Rossell, like I said, he was great last year, and he was great probably the two, three years before that when he was in Cincinnati with, 
With relievers, though, you never know when the back end of that career is coming. And when it does, it comes fast. And I'm not saying this is it for Rossell Iglesias. I'm not saying that we won't see him again um, in an all-star caliber role. But I think the Angels saw something where they didn't feel 100% comfortable with him going forward, especially at that price tag. Now, if he's making $16 million a year and he's closing it out and he's perfect on save opportunities and his ERA is in the 1.34, 1.8 kind of uh, area, then yeah, you, you deal with the overpaying of the closer because he's getting it done. But there's no reason to overpay for a closer, again, $16 million a year for the for what they got out of him so far this year. That doesn't match up. So I like it because it frees up a bunch of payroll flexibility and it shows that Perry's now is willing to move on and almost admit that he made a mistake signing this guy and let me get something in return. Whether these guys turn out to be anything or whether these guys turn out to be nothing. The real W in this trade is the fact that for the next, uh, whatever it is, three, four years, they don't have to play Rossell Iglesias anything so if he does great great the Atlanta's playing for it if he's doing terrible great Atlanta's paying for it the angels aren't so I think that is a very huge W for the angels in this trading cycle and again it frees up a ton of money for the angels moving forward um, the angels saved over 15 or around 59 million and payroll with this move. That's a 7.6 that was owed for Noah Syndergaard at the end of this, from this point to the end of the year that the Philadelphia is going to take completely. And 50, like I said, $51.6 million owed to Rossell Iglesias. That is a huge amount of money owed to a, to a closer that quite frankly, we don't know what he's going to be going forward. We really don't. I'm sure everyone hopes for the best for Rossell and everyone hopes that he can somehow find that magic from last year. But the fact of the matter is we don't know what he's going to be. And if you're just looking at the most recent history, it's not what he was last year. And maybe the Braves can do some of their magic and turn it back around for him and be able to um, get something out of him for the rest of his contract there. And that'd be great because he would be a very good uh reliever very good closer and a very good team but overall i think that move was my favorite saving rosselli glace saving the money from rosselli glacius's contract was a very huge w so obviously everyone loves this the fact who won the trade who won the this trade uh, trade deadline. The fact of the matter is, guys, we will not know. And if you sit here and say the Angels took L's or you sit here and the Angels took W's, I don't know if either one of them is true yet. But what I do say is I think the Angels made wins as far as making seeming like they have a plan. All three of these trades, to me, made sense. And there's been plenty of trades out there, whether it's from the Angels or other major league teams, where they make a trade and you ask yourself, Why? Either they didn't have a need for that or they have too many of those players and why they move this guy. Like, I don't feel that at all. I know people are really going to complain about the Brandon Marsh being moved and now there's another hole in the in the team or Iglesias being moved and now there's a hole in the bullpen. Guess what? Bullpen arms are easy to find. You just have to be able to scout better. You have to be able to scout out there and see what guy can do it at a high level that's cheap and young. I think obviously closers is kind of a young man's role. That's why you don't see the Trevor Hoffman, Trevor, uh, Troy Percival's, the 
Mariano Rivera's a whole lot anymore, where they're still closing at a very high level late in their career. You know, even the one of the best relievers in Angels history, um, K-Rod, you see, you look at his numbers. Yes, he had a very good four or five year, you know, streak of closing, and especially setting the all-time record and closes, closes for a season, or not, sorry, saves for a season. But other than that, you see a, a, a general decline. And the last thing you want is be stuck on that back part of, of that career. And the Angels, I think, have options in-house if they don't move to um, the free agent market or trades in the offseason. You know, uh, Kihara has done very, very well. He's high energy. I know his last outing for the Angels wasn't great, but he's shown that he's been able to come in in high-pressure situations and really deliver. Maybe you give him a shot. Let's say someone like Chris Rodriguez comes back next year. You're not sold on him being a starter because of all the injury troubles he's had. Why not give him a shot to be a back end of the uh, bullpen type of guy? Maybe he closes. His stuff plays regardless of where you put him, whether in the rotation or in the bullpen. And if you're worried about him staying healthy over a long year starting, why not give him a year or two out of the bullpen as a closer? That would be something to see. So I do think there are options there. I do think that the Angels aren't necessarily caught without a closer of the future. I just think for what they were able to get for him and the flexibility from the payroll is a lot bigger reward than having him on the team, you know, eating up that money and still not performing well. I mean, if you're looking for a closer to blow games, blow saves, obviously Rozelle has done that, and you can find that for someone doing that a lot cheaper. So I think there's definitely makes a little bit of holes short term for the Angels, but I think those holes can be filled relatively easy in the near future and definitely going forward with prospects or younger guys that are are in the major leagues right now. So again, I really like the trades. Uh, It's still too early to see if it's a W or if it's a loss, if it's plays out. It's going to come down to this staff. It's going to come down to this, you know, development staff and then possibly a new coaching staff to see what they can get out of these new uh, players in the Angels organization because if they can be able to reach a lot of these guys potential it's going to be a very good trade and we won't know for another two three years but I definitely think the trades made sense for what the Angels want to do they're not fully tanking they're not in a full rebuild they never were going to be in a full rebuild and if you think that was a possibility then you don't pay attention enough to what's going on I know there's a difference between what fans want and what's realistic in every oper- in every situation. And this seemed like the best option out of the realistic situations that we're playing. You were never going to build all the way up and move heaven and earth to get you know Juan Soto. You weren't going to totally tear it all down and start from scratch. And even too, tanking doesn't necessarily guarantee you Ws, especially if your organization has have bad history developing players like the Angels have. Now, maybe that all changes in the next couple of years, and you hope it does as Angel fans, but nothing right now proves that that is going to happen. But that's the only thing Angel fans can really hope for right now is that the Angels are going to move forward and develop these guys into all-star type of players. And if they do, obviously these trades are big wins for the Angels. So that is the trade deadline special for everyone out there. We'll come back in a couple of days to talk about the Oakland A series. Obviously, the Angels, as I record right now, are off to a great start. They are leading 3-0 at the end of the fourth inning. But if you have a question about these trade trade uh, 
these trades during the trade deadline, a comment, a concern, a question, or you didn't like them, you did like them, you didn't, or whatever, go ahead and leave a voicemail at our voicemail line at 951-384-0810. Again, that's 951-384-0810. So again, Angels made moves. I think there are definitely good moves that can play, that, that can definitely pay off in the future, both with helping getting guys from free agency or keeping guys and fulfilling a need of a position that angels have not had in a very very long time so until next time i am your host daniel garcia and this has been another edition of the all angels podcast The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.